Good morning to you. I was talking with uh, uh, Chris Vanta just a couple days ago, and he was telling me about how he was starting to read some in the scriptures, and he was thinking about asking where he should start, and then he said, no, Eli's just going to tell me to start at the beginning. <laughs> and so he just decided to start there. And So I thought about that with him some and talked some, and it got me thinking about the beginning of the Bible. And how much it teaches us about God and His character and His nature. In the beginning of the Bible, which records the beginning of time as we know it, we see many truths about God. His organization in the process of creation. You know, we have the heavens and earth and then light and then an expanse between the waters and then land, then plants. Nothing out of order. Everything in exactly the order it needed to be to function right. All the plants, the animals, humans produce after their kind and so order is maintained. Two humans will never produce a dolphin. Never have you seen it, never will you. The rain blesses the ground and the sun works with it to produce Growth. The sun provides the light. Psalm 8 begins and ends with a a proclamation. And it's one that's very true. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. The whole earth proclaims God to us. We see the majesty of God as we see His creation. We see His name, His character. His divine nature, we might say. And we want to be like Him. But I've found that it's difficult to know exactly where to start. To be like Christ, to be like God. And so, I started looking at 2 Peter chapter 1. And let's turn over there together and I want to read with you 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to start in verse 1. Peter introduces this letter and he says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That is, he's writing to Christians. And so you can sort of include yourself in the subject of this letter. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. You catch that? We talked beginning, very beginning of the lesson about creation and how we see God's nature through it, His divine nature. And here in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, he says that by them, that is, because of God's power and glory and excellence, 
because of the promises He's made, we can become partakers of His nature. We can become one with Him. Having escaped the corruption that's in the world by lust. And then we pick up with our Scripture reading, now for this very reason also. What reason? That you may become partakers of the divine nature. For this very reason also applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence in your moral excellence knowledge in your knowledge self-control and in your self-control perseverance and in your perseverance godliness and in your godliness brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love. As we progress in our walk with God we become partakers of His divine nature we're beginning a series of about five lessons aimed at Christians. That's everyone who walks with God today. Many of you gathered here are Christians. And we're going to gain some advice. We're going to look at a pathway that tells us what to work on next so that we can be more like God. So that we can become one with Him. So that we can become partakers of His divine nature. And He's going to give us eight areas of character growth to do it. It can be confusing to try to narrow down what I should work on today. So that I can get to the goal of godliness exemplified by Jesus. That can be confusing because I see laid out before my eyes all of the things that I need to fix. And all the things that need doing in my character. And you can see yours. It's tough to know where to start. But as we progress through this series. I'm hoping that the Bible will help us identify where we are. In the character chain of 2 Peter 1, 5-7. But this morning we're not going to deal with. Really any of those character qualities that are there in verses 5 through 7. This morning I want you to take a step back with me. And I want to consider why Peter gives the character chain that he does. I want to ask that question. And the rest of 2 Peter is filled with reasons for us to dedicate ourselves to these eight areas of character growth. So this morning we focus our minds on the importance of what Peter calls these qualities or these things. If you're caught it in our scripture reading this morning from verse 8 to verse 11, you have three times you have these qualities or these things mentioned. Then it comes up again in verse 12. In verse 15, you've got these things. That's how he talks about it. And so the series is called These Things. But this morning the lesson is the importance of these things. Why He gives them to us. Why does He take the time to pen them in such a list as this? Connecting them one by one. We're taught to apply all diligence in attaining and growing in these points of character. We should work carefully. We should work persistently and we should work eagerly to attain and improve these qualities in our life. But again, our question is why? 
What is so pressing that these characteristics require our urgent attention? And so let's look at verse 8. Right after he gives this list, remember it's a list that helps us to be partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world. And so in verse 8 he says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you want to be useful in the Lord's kingdom? I, I think that's a universal hope for all of us, even if we're sort of afraid to attain it. Uh, I think we want to be useful. We want to be fruitful. That's part of the reason we're a Christian. We want to produce fruit. And, you know, we hear lessons. I've given them many times, I think, about how everyone in the church has a place in the body. God designed you that way in 1 Corinthians 12. And you say, boy, I must have a place. I certainly do have a place because God's designed a place for me. But then somewhere along the line, uh, several folks tend to step away from God's word and say, well, if I have a place in God's body, if I have a place there, then I must need to find it. And so I'm just going to see what I'm good at. And whatever I'm good at, whatever I like doing, must be my place in the Lord's body and He can use it for His good. Well, I'm, I'm really good at race car driving and I'm really good at, 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 you know, dancing the box step and I'm really good at playing the guitar and all these different things. And you say, well, maybe that's God's place for me in the body. And so uh, certainly we could just add that to our worship, correct? And, and you see how we get a little far down the line and we start doing things we shouldn't do. I say all that because when you ask, where's my spot? Where's my place in the Lord's body? What did God design me to do? 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 7 is the way you're going to find out. When we start applying these qualities and improving them in our life, that process will help you discover your role in the church. When you do those things, and notice he says not just that if you have these qualities, uh, you'll be neither useless nor unfruitful, but rather if you have them and they are increasing. Uh, New International Version says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, same idea. It's not about checking a box and saying, yeah, I did that once. I was godly once. I was faithful once. But rather to say, Faith is part of my character. I am faithful. And in the things that I fall short in my faithfulness, I'm seeking to increase my faithfulness to God. Seeking to increase my godliness. Seeking to increase my knowledge. Increase in perseverance. Brotherly kindness and love. These need to be increasing. This is a list that you will continue to work on throughout Christian life. And as long as you continue to increase the role that these qualities play in your life, you will be both useful and fruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see how that plays out in finding my place in the body? Finding my place in the body is finding out where I'm useful to God the most. And these qualities show me where I'm useful. They make me useful. This is the way to figure out that question. 
This is the way to find out where I'm useful, where I can bear the most fruit. This list is the key to unlocking your potential in the body of Christ. And so we urgently, carefully, and persistently pay attention to them and continue to form them in our actions and attitudes. But Peter doesn't stop by writing about the benefits. He's given us this benefit that we'll be useful and fruitful in the body of Christ, but he doesn't stop there. He also describes the consequence when you choose to kind of push these to the side and ignore them. And there's a consequence there. He says in verse 9, For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. I want to focus first on the last half of that verse, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. It's the blood of Christ that cleanses us and purifies us from our former sins. And there's a verse that teaches that that you might not think about. Revelation chapter 1. Let's turn there. Revelation chapter 1. And about verse... We'll read verse 4 through 6. Or let's read verse 5. Just verse 5. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. It's the introduction to the letter. Talking about who it's from. John. But ultimately really from God the Father who's on the throne, from the seven spirits, the Holy Spirit, and from Jesus Christ. And as he describes Jesus Christ and is giving Him glory, he says in verse 5, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to Him who loves us and released us from our sins by His blood. End of verse 6, to Him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. But you notice that very key phrase that he just sort of drops in there to describe Jesus who released us from our sins by His blood. Jesus' blood is what purifies us from our sins. The one who lacks these qualities in 2 Peter 1 verse 5 through 7 has forgotten his purification from his former sins. He's forgotten the role of the blood of Christ in his life. It was intended to purify him and to release him from his sins. But the one who lacks these qualities has begun to embrace them again. He stopped caring about what God cares about and started embracing the sins he left behind again instead of being released from them. And if he continues to embrace those sins, he'll be eternally lost. But there's something else about the way Peter describes the person who lacks these qualities. Look back at, at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9. He says, For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted. Do you know how many of you I can see whenever I do that? Take these off. I, I, you know how many of you? I can see just about all of you, but you all look about the same. You look like just blobs out there. Not much of anything. Can't see your faces. But uh, I put those on and I can see better. It, it's a terrible thing to live life nearsighted, short-sighted. <clears throat> I really can't see much past the end of my nose without those glasses. 
Look at Matthew 15, verse 14. There is a spiritual application to that. And it's one we really ought to think about. In Matthew 15, 14, Jesus spoke to His disciples. And He was talking to them about the Pharisees who valued their traditions more than the commands of God. And He says to His disciples, Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Here's the point of the illustration. A blind man can't do any good for another blind man. No matter how intelligent he may seem. And no person can lead another to Christ if they lack these qualities in themselves. No matter how loudly they say they serve Christ or how nicely they dress for Sunday services. When we lack these qualities, we cease to be a productive member of the Lord's body, period. We cannot lead anyone to Christ. We cannot encourage or strengthen our brethren without these qualities. That is how important they are to everything that we should be. And so we urgently carefully and continually apply ourselves to gaining and improving these qualities in our Christian life. Because if I care about the lost, I have to work on my character. If I care about you and I want to be able to encourage you, I have to work on my character. Otherwise, I am completely and utterly unproductive in the Lord's body. This list is the key to unlocking your potential in the body of Christ. And without it, you fall from the grace of God because you embrace your sins instead of progressing in righteousness. Now, Peter doesn't leave them with this terrible thought of, you know, stopping progression in righteousness and losing these qualities. No, he comes back and he encourages them and commands them to be all the more diligent. You look here at uh, verse 10, 2 Peter 1 verse 10. He says, therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. You know, he says, be all the more diligent or uh, make every effort and those sorts of things. I've been describing that word all the way through our lesson this morning. Whenever I say urgently, persistently, carefully. That's, That's what he's saying. Do it urgently because it's important. Do it carefully because it matters. And do it persistently. Because if you ever leave it behind, you'll begin to stumble. And that's what he says, as as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. You might ask, how can I know that I'm saved? How can I be sure that, how can I make certain, as he says, about his calling and choosing of me? Peter says, you make certain of it by doing these things, practicing them, 
And as we do those things, not only will we never stumble, but our entrance into the eternal kingdom is not just opened, but abundantly supplied. It's a sure thing. Guarantee. 100%. You know how you can know that you're saved? By practicing these things. Do you want to be able to be confident that when you die, you'll go to heaven? Practice these things. The rest of the book, Peter spends the rest of the book emphasizing God's ability to rescue the godly and punish the unrighteous in chapter 2. Then he talks about the promise of judgment and the persuasive arguments of unbelievers in chapter 3 in the first 10 verses. And then he encourages Christians to continue letting the hope of the new heavens and new earth drive us into further progress in that list from chapter 1. That's the last 11 to 18. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 7 is the application key for all the warnings and encouragements in this book. And so, you may read the Bible and say, boy, this is a real downer. 2 Peter is just a real downer and makes me feel bad about myself. That should be a wake-up call because that means you're falling on the wrong side of what Peter's writing. But it's also designed to be a book of encouragement, this book of 2 Peter. It's designed to be a book of encouragement and hope so that when you're practicing these things, yes, you can be sure of your salvation. Yes, there's a home waiting for you. Yes, the people who are against you have it wrong. And God will save you. Just like He saved all those people before you. It becomes a book of hope when you're on the right side. It becomes a book of hope when you're practicing and increasing the list of first or Second Peter one verses five through seven. And so, that is our goal over the next several weeks: is to learn about these qualities, learn about this list, and increase the role that they play in our lives. I hope that this lesson has piqued your interest in this series of studies. Uh, Together, we're going to figure out where we stand as individuals before God. And together, we will encourage each other to continue growing and progressing in these things so that we may be partakers of the divine nature. That is our hope. It is our goal. And God says that we can. And so we know that we can. This morning, before we exit our meeting, we're going to offer an invitation, an opportunity. The question is, have you been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? That's where you contact that purifying blood of Christ that washes away your sins. If you haven't contacted that blood and been washed of your sins, there's not a reason you should not be released today. And if you want to study more about the gospel, if you want to learn about salvation through Christ, what does that mean? How do I get there? How do I begin that journey? If you need to study some more, this is an opportunity for you to say, yeah, I want to study more, and we will. And if you're already a Christian who needs to repent and return to your Lord, begin serving Him again and paying attention and increasing these things, We're here to pray with you and 
receive you back as part of God's family. And He will forgive you too because He promises to when you come back. And so this morning, the important statement, the importance of this opportunity is that this is a time for you to make yourself right with God. And so if you have a spiritual need this morning, we ask that you please make it known by coming forward as we stand and sing.